0: Well, hello to all of our friends. It's oh, the let's go. <laughs> it's the let's go. So abrupt. Just right in there. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, that wasn't even hey. It was like how would you spell that? H U I. Hey. 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 <laughs> Very good. Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. That's amazing. Uh, I'm wearing
1: makeup for the first time in a long time. That's you, a, notice? you
0: look wonderful. You look like <laughs> a mermaid. You. Your eyes are so sparkly. <laughs> you got that sparkle in your eye. You yeah. look wonderful. You wear your blazer on. Huh. Well, hello to our friends on the podcast. Thanks for joining us for another rousing episode of Hey, It's the goes
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you've been listening for however long this has been going on, mm. thank you. Like, I think that's really awesome that you've kind of just been on the journey with us.
0: And if you're new to the journey, welcome. Yes. Welcome to the party. Uh, This has been such a fun journey. And we had, I just have to just emotionally react to last week's episode. How good was that?
1: Yeah, it was something special.
0: We, if you didn't uh, have a chance to listen yet, had uh, uh, Taya Gokroger from Hillsong United on the podcast. That is how she pronounces it uh, with flourish. And It was a beautiful thing. We also have some amazing podcasts coming up, so make sure you stay with us next week. Not to spoil anything, but I already did email it out. We have the one and only Pastor Chris Hodges coming on the Mm -hmm. podcast, so really excited about that. But today is a brand new month. Welcome to June. Mm -hmm. Welcome to summer, kind of. I only say that because it's June, but summer hasn't started yet.
1: And also, if you're listening in Australia, it's not summer.
0: True. True. But isn't it weird that summer is not just rigidly June, July, and August, that there's like an official beginning of summer. It's like June 21st. Mm-hmm. It is June 21st. And the end of summer is when?
1: I don't know that, but I just feel uh, I don't like know that. summer is more July, August, September. Yeah, that's true. Like as far as weather.
0: Yeah. I I just feel like it's cleaner when you can just think of it in terms of, hey, there's three months, that's summer. Yeah. It's, oh, it ends in September 22nd. You're right. Oh, but that's kind of nice. That, I guess if you live, in a, a four, see, if you live in a four, if you live in a
1: four to September 22nd, that's a long summer. It's
0: three months and two days, right
1: now. But why I wonder do schools start school in August? That's, I mean, that's still in summer technically.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's a big mystery.
1: Like I feel like they, we should have all the way till September 22nd.
0: When I was a kid, I feel like summer was more just June, July and August. Mm-hmm. And then they started tinkering with things. <laughs> and the year weirdest round school, the weirdest was fifth grade year round school, my fifth grade year. It was never ending. You got, just got a couple of weeks here and there, but it was weird. Cause then I changed schools to go into it. So I didn't get the normal summer. And then coming from year round, going into the regular one, I like had a year without summer. Basically. <gasps> I feel Rude. like I've been gypped. You, yeah. yeah, Super wrong.
1: You missed out on fifth grade summer.
0: I, I don't know. I think it was leaving it because I was in mm. fifth grade year round. And then I went into oh. the sixth grade not year gosh, round. That's already like a hard transition. It was violent. And then it's like whiplash. It was like being in a washing machine <laughs> stuck in a wa- <laughs> That's one of my great fears. Actually, when I was a little kid, my greatest fear was that someone would put me in a dryer oh, and turn gosh. it on. Did you ever think about someone that?
1: Meaning like
0: you, a sibling or <laughs> let's say I was playing hide and go seek and hid in the dryer. <laughs> and then someone came and was like, I need to turn that dryer on. I have a load of whites in there. Did you ever hide in the dryer? No, I was too afraid that it was going to happen. <laughs> and did you, whenever That's I hid Friday and I would like refuse to shut doors all the way because mm-hmm. I was just so afraid I would get locked somewhere. Gosh. I got locked outside the other day. It's traumatic. I was out on the back deck looking at the space <laughs> station and the door was open and Olivia came by and shut and locked it without checking to see if it was out there. So I'm locked out on the balcony with no recourse. There's no steps. There's no stairs. There's no ladder. And I was banging on that door for so long before I got let in. Mm. Had no phone.
1: I had no idea.
0: You had no idea.
1: I think I was putting Lennox to bed.
0: I think you put Libby up to it. probably fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. You do that a lot, but it is kind of a wonderful thing to fall asleep with your child. Just like reading to them. And then you wake up and you're like, Oh, the house is so still. I need to go to bed.
1: Oh, it's one in the morning. Oh, it's two. Where am I? I still need to brush my
0: teeth. This is not my bed. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Yeah. So happy summer. Um, Do you have any big goals this summer?
1: Um, I really want to be intentional and I was just, I'm a weird word person. So like I'll, when I see a word, sometimes other words come out, like on mother's day, I realized when I was prepping for my mother's day message, I realized for the first time that the word other is in mother and like the idea of like mothers truly do like serve the others Mm. in our life. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But I was thinking about intentional, And how the beginning of intentional is literally intent. And I was just thinking about the summer ahead of us where we're going to get to camp and canoe and just be together and be outside. And I was just thinking, like, I want to grow in intentionality this summer. And I want to take the moments that I get and be in the moment and be present and be intentional. And, um, so anyways, that's kind of been on my heart a lot as we're kind of entering into the season. And even like I was listening to a podcast and I don't remember which one it was, but they were talking about like being intentional with the summertime with your kids. And one of the things that stood out to me was, um, having a day or not a whole day, but like a moment in your week where you specifically like carve out time to write thank you notes and have your kids write them. So I was thinking, Oh, it'd be so cool to have like thankful Thursdays where we have like 20 minutes or 30 minutes where they get to pick their own thank you cards and they write a thank you card to an adult in their life. And, or like um a, to a friend or pen pal or whatever, where we kind of like have that. So I've been just even thinking through like, Oh, what kind of other things can we sprinkle in? to the week where it adds a, something like that, like being intentional outreach and all that kind of stuff too. So anyways, those are...
0: Those are good summer goals. Mm, thanks. And you're finding all these secret treasures inside of words. Yeah. Other and mother intent and intentional. Oh, nut in donut. <laughs> you know, just stuff just like, like too far, Levi. We, wow. What are your goals for the summer? I don't know. Well, I, I just have one big one aside from like the normal don't be watching TV. Don't be, you know, so busy that you're not outside being still. I want to, I love, one of the things I love about summer, I was just thinking about today, actually I was talking to my counselor and he, he was asking me like similar kind of things. I said, I, I I love about summer that in those couple hours when the heat of the day has broken and it's not yet, the sun's not yet down. I love playing hoops with the girls, Mm -hmm. just shooting Mm -hmm. basketball, just being out there for hours. I have so many memories in the summertime of just playing horse with Olivia and you know, Lennox with his little basketball hoop and the girls just chasing basketballs down the street endlessly. Cause they bounce off the rim. And that's just my favorite. Those maximizing those uh, golden hours and just the way you can be still, and you have such long days. And after a, a day's work, you still have plenty of time to squeeze in a hike or like you said, get out on the river or, you know, the ice cream cones when it's just so hot and the sun's baking off the ground. And I just love it.
1: I love it. What's your favorite ice cream?
0: What's my favorite ice cream? Well, we've gotten into this discussion. Did you know right now, Chad Veach is not eating ice cream for a whole month. Why? He posted this thing on Instagram today and I need to call him and ask him about it. Maybe we should even do this on the podcast. Yeah, we probably should. Where's my phone. It's on my desk. Um, (laughs) He posted that he's not going to eat any ice cream for 30 days. He's going to wake up every day at 3 a.m. He's going to exercise 30 minutes every single day. And he had one other goal. And I just thought it was the most amazing, inspiring list. He's probably just getting into beach shape or something like that. This is going to be the list. We'll, we'll FaceTime him in a second. It'll be the first ever. No, we did fi- we did try an Instagram live somebody sometime on this podcast. I can't remember who. Oh,
1: maybe that was tea time.
0: Hey, while I'm doing this, let me just... uh say thank you to those of you who have left reviews on Apple Mm. podcasts. I've just was the other day looking at reviews. Thank you. That's amazing. If you you. haven't yet, please do let us know. I love, I've read every single one on there. There's not been any mean ones. One person (laughs) said it wasn't mean it was just instructive criticism. They said, quit interrupting your wife so much. And (laughs) Jenny's been saying that to me for years. So, (laughs) but thank you for the comments on the YouTube for all those things. Okay. So here we go. And we do have a great podcast today. So yeah, this is what he posted. He said, 30 day challenge. Wake up every day at 5.00 AM. Number two, no sugar for the 30 days. Number three, no bread I like
1: in parentheses
0: treats because <laughs> he's well, I guess he can have sugar from grapes or something? <laughs> three, no bread. Number four, exercise 30 minutes every day. And then my favorite was number five facial care routine every night sunspots. I have to, t- I got to take care of. He said, Starts tomorrow. Wow. So the, the picture before it was him eating like twelve kinds of ice cream.
1: <laughs> of Jenny's ice cream.
0: Jenny's ice cream, which is fabulous. Funny. Let's call Chad and oh, ask and him about it. Salt and
1: straw. Oh, that was our conversation.
0: That is delicious ice cream. Salt, salt and, straw. and straw. It's in Portland and so Los good. Angeles. FaceTime Chad Beach. All right, podcast. This is this is adventure. Oh my goodness. What's going on, Chad? Hi, Chad Beach. Hey, real quickly, this is our <laughs> Hey, it's the Lesco's podcast. Hi,
1: it's the Lesco. <laughs>
0: And we just called you live because we were talking about summer goals. And I was telling Jenny about your 30 day shred, no ice cream. Every Sunday night I have ice cream. I'm doing 30 days, no sugar, 30 days, no bread. I love bread. I feel like Oprah when I say that and I'm doing, I'm doing 5 AM. So I
1: feel like Levi when I wake up early. Come on. Oh
0: my goodness. Well, you're a beautiful man. And your son, your sun routine, what's going to be a part of your sun routine? Okay, so a lot of people responded and sent me their nightly and morning routines. But it's a it's an eight to ten step process, no doubt. I uh. start tonight. I did a few trial runs with Julia, but I go, it's a full I've got sun spots, I got sun damage right here and right here. I gotta work on these things. Oh my gosh. Well you're an inspiring person. That's gonna be a great thirty days. I'm excited. I got a few people that said, should I do it with you? And I thought. I should have invited people to do this alongside me. Like, yeah, hey, just telling give that, everybody okay. like a running start. Yeah. Like, here, join me on this thing. <laughs> right. Listen, you get the kinks worked out. And then the next time around, <laughs> the next time around, we'll get in on that with you. You know, my brother just did. Have you heard of this thing? 75 uh, hard days or something? Have you heard about this thing? No. This thing's crazier. It's a 75 day challenge because they say it takes, you know, 60 to 75 days to create new habits so 75 21. days it's like water only 5 a.m you have to work out for 45 minutes twice a day wow it's like i feel like a wuss okay i listen we're gonna get you as a guest on this podcast we're gonna book you we'll, we'll work with your people whatever it takes to get you on this podcast and i love you i just wanted to bring you in because i was thinking of you i love you so much i love both of you
1: so much love you chad all
0: right See you guys. See bye then. buddy well, that was nice. That was a treat.
1: Hey, good job.
0: My AirPods in the other room were connected so that every time he got away is because my, my Bluetooth just kept jumping into my AirPods because I didn't put them in their little sucky case. They oh, found it.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Well, struggle
0: is real. Okay. So I can't do 30 days of, uh, of all that. That's a lot.
1: I I don't know about that 75. I thought 21
0: days makes a habit. 21 days makes a, a loose habit. Easy to shake.
1: Okay. 75, 75 locks like it ingrained in. in. your
0: soul. 75, you can't quit even if you want to. It's called <laughs> an addiction. Okay. So today's episode of the hates it's Los, Los, Los <laughs> podcast goes uh, podcast has a very, very, very fun thing. And that is you, you're on it. So thank you to those of us who are uh, those of you who yes. sent us. Thank you. A question. Um, the first of the month. This is our fourth month in a row. This is a chance to hear whatever questions or whatever you want to talk about, really. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe we open it up. Doesn't have to be questions, could be a prompt. What would you like us to talk about? Um, and we receive those uh, via email, Levi at freshlife.church. We receive those via Instagram DM. You could sneak your question in, slide your question into that. Mm. DM stack and uh, with a voice memo—that's the best part. It's not just a written question, although that would be, I guess, appropriate. It's your verbal question because or this is a you podcast. Could
1: write it and speak it.
0: Mm, very good. You know transcription, mm-hmm. and we love to hear your voices. So today we have grabbed some questions, and uh, Jenny, why don't you fire off that first one? There, we haven't heard these, so we have no just idea. As Listen, surprises you. This is like skiing backwards down a double black. Diamond with no skis.
1: (laughs) So it's avalanche or snowball.
0: In a bathing suit. (laughs) (laughs) Cleanse the palate. Ready, go. Question number one.
1: My name is David Berenger from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And here's my question for the podcast. As a pastor here in Kalamazoo, my wife and I have been here almost 12 years. How do you protect your marriage and actually feed your marriage while being in ministry? I teach on marriage a lot, but would love to hear from you guys how you navigate marriage in the midst of ministry. Oh, oh by the way, parenting. So at, we're 45 and 42, have a 21-year-old, and 18-year-old, but still navigating
0: family and ministry. Yeah, right. Great. David from David. Kalamazoo. That's um, an interesting name. I would like to know where the name Kalamazoo, Michigan comes from. Mm. You know what I think of when I hear Kalamazoo? Mm-mm. I think of someone playing a tiny kazoo. <laughs> running around Michigan. Uh, David, if you have a, what does he say? Two 20 year old children,
1: 21 year old and an 18 year old.
0: Yeah, man. We need to hear from you. seems like yeah. you've been in the game longer than we have. So I yeah. wouldn't presume to tell you how to do anything, but I would Ooh. say this to know of an appetite is the start. Yeah. A lot of people don't read their Bible or pray. I think in large part because they neglect the appetites because they don't, they don't, they don't feel them there. So the word he used of feeding your marriage is such a good language because it, it indicates there's a, a realization uh, for those things to be there. So yeah. like even just using that language is helpful because when you think about feeding your body, you, you know, you want to give it vitamins and nutrients and protein and you need good fats, right? So you're thinking about your, your hydration levels, then thinking about your soul. Okay. My soul has certain things that needs quiet, beauty, scripture, the Holy spirit, worship, fellowship, right? And then so to say, okay, well, my, what does my marriage need to function? What is, what is going to cause my marriage to not be malnourished? Uh, what's going to cause my marriage to be, um, strong and healthy and having plenty of energy for the demands that's put on it. I think it's also important to realize that your marriage's need is going to change based on demand. Mm
1: -hmm. You can't
0: just eat the same caloric, you know, diet when you're training for a marathon as when you're sitting sedentary for a long stretch of time, the same diet will cause you to go into a deficit at one point or cause you to start gaining excess weight in another point. Right? So you match your intake to what's going on. So like, I know for us, there are seasons, (laughs) yes, see COVID. There are seasons where what our marriage needs uh, is going to far exceed what it would need in another season. Right. And so I think you can't have just a rigid rule. It has to ebb and flow with life. Right. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think too, every marriage is so unique and and different. Obviously there's the basics that you want to feed your marriage with, but it's so true. It's like the season that you're in and the kids that you have, or you don't have, what you get to do as a, as a job. I mean, in, I, I guess you're saying more specifically in ministry, but it just looks different. And I, th- I think that idea of ebbing and flowing is so key because it's not going to look, first of all, it's not going to look like someone else's marriage. And that I think is such a
0: huge distinction.
1: I think sometimes it's easy to see, oh, well, they do this. So that means we're supposed to, or they don't do this. So that means we shouldn't. Like, I feel like as you are in ministry and hearing the Holy Spirit and letting God lead you and letting Jesus be the center of your marriage, it's gonna look different than what other people do and there'll be similarities but it'll just be different because we're two different people in a different marriage than someone else's so i think that that is so key of knowing that it is gonna ebb and flow and it is gonna it's what we're putting into it no one else is feeding our marriage we are
0: yeah and i mean in the sense well, no of, one else can eat for you right exactly no one else can drink for you yeah um but i think what you said is so huge because a lot of us i think we have this like image of what other people do in their marriage. And we, we feel somehow like we're um, inferior or not measuring up because we don't, we don't you know do what they do. And, and I think, first of all, they might not do what you think they do. Right. You know, what's being put out there for the world isn't always accurate or a, a fair representation of, of the totality of life. You know what I mean? The yeah. one photo you, you post isn't always a good sampling of, of the actual contents of a month, right. But also knowing like, Hey, well, if, if that works for them, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for you. And we've had to find our own flow. Um, now his, his question was specifically so far as the connection to ministry. yeah. And to me, I always try and not overthink that connection. You know, I talked to our, our staff a lot and it's like, I, I don't, ex- like when I, I was on with all of the pastors from, from our church on a, on a zoom two weeks ago, and I was telling them, don't overthink this. What The same thing that you, the person in your church who sells insurance or works at Costco or works at a hospital, that they're going to need to thrive is the same thing for you. Mm, you know, think, oh, as pastor really is this unique challenges. And of course, there's challenges to every occupation, right? but it's the same basic fundamental things. We're Christians first, we're husbands and, and fathers and wives first. Uh, before wherever ever then are, are calling and what we do vocationally within the church. So it's not like there's some, there's unique challenges to every occupation, just like a doctor has unique challenges on his mm-hmm. imposed on him, but your marriage needs the same core ingredients to thrive that anybody in any other jobs would. Don't you think? Yeah,
1: no, I think so. I mean, I, I think of the wife of or the spouse of someone in,
0: Politics,
1: politics and the military. And like, there are challenges to each one. And I think it's knowing that and knowing what you need and knowing, knowing what you need, knowing how to feed.
0: But I think there's a tendency sometimes as pastors to kind of think like, oh, well this, this is so uniquely difficult, almost more so than anything else. When, when really marriage is just challenging in any, in any context, and there are going to be unique pressures that come upon you for being in ministry Um, but, but not, not you, not in a, not in a way that's harder than just different than.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I feel like I've heard many times the wife of, or the, the woman saying, oh, I could never be a pastor's wife. Right. And the loadedness of that statement is basically, I've seen it done before and I could never do that. Whereas Every single pastor's wife and there's pastor's wife, there's pastor's couples, like Mm -hmm. there's, you're leading no matter what. I think maybe what they're alluding to is I don't want to have that kind of like eyes on me or leadership, but really every single pastor's wife looks, it looks just so different Mm because some are more in the background and supportive Um, from home. Some are co-pastoring with their husbands and that looks different. So I feel
0: like you have the the wife with a stronger preaching gift and she tends to carry more of that load. It it really is very different. It's so
1: different. And so it's almost like you see what you've seen in the past and you think, oh, well, that is what a pastor's Mm -hmm. wife is. So that's how I have to be. Whereas I try to encourage our pastoral staff spouses, like be who God's called you to be and support your spouse and um, don't try to fit yourself in another mold. But there, I mean, there are responsibilities that we have and there's, there is a a different weight to the leadership that we carry, but there's a beauty in the Mm -hmm. uniqueness.
0: Absolutely. And I would say, you know, one of the temptations perhaps being in full-time ministry that would impact your marriage negatively would be to be just overscheduled you know, something every night of the week, you know, and literally I'll tell our staff, like, I would not, I would hope you're not doing something for the church more than three nights a week, three, four nights a week. If there's not some nights of the week where your family's just having dinner, if there's not a night of the week where you're able to take your, your wife or go with your husband on a date. Something's wrong. Yeah. You know, there's, there does tend to be this over-scheduling, over program, something every night of the week and life doesn't breathe. Yeah. But that's that's not on the church. That's on you for not, you know, putting in 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 wise boundaries and you know borders and prioritizing and your your best yes first and yeah uh, so that that is uh, some of the thoughts that come to mind when it comes to how to feed a marriage while in ministry yeah focus on giving time to your your marriage it's going to grow and blossom um, no relationship can grow without time spent those yeah. little connections daily yeah time intentionally. Getting away when you can, and looking
1: at them in the eyes.
0: Being generous, <laughs> being generous with with attention. Yeah. Like, you, and you're so clear with that. With be like, hey, I want to tell you something. Oh yeah, tell me. No, when you're done with that, because I want you to focus and you listen to, look to me, at me. When I tell you, when this. I tell you this story <laughs> with pleasure this is the answer. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you, David from Kalamazoo, and we thank did you. get an update. Mm-hmm. Kalamazoo comes from a Hoto-Watami word, which is presumably Native American. I'm going to guess. And uh, comes all the way back to 1884. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Nope. Number two. Hey, yo, it's the Luscos. This is Joe, uh, I guess, sending a memo from Maryland. I've heard you guys talk a few different times, thinking about Bob Goff, thinking about uh, Mike Todd, about uh, the Enneagram and referencing that. And I am a seven wing eight. And I was just wondering how you guys, what your numbers are. I think Pastor Levi, you're a three, correct? But would love to know what you are, Pastor Jenny, and then kind of see how that has helped, maybe helped in your marriage. And then also how you may use the Enneagram on a day-to-day basis for just how you can love people better. Obviously, you don't want to put them in a box, but how you're able to use that maybe to love other people better but would love to hear that thank you guys so much joe from maryland question thank is you, joe what's the deal with the enneagram i like how he said hey yo hey hey it's the <laughs> jenny you really were the one who introduced me to the enneagram so let's have you start off on that
1: well i would not consider myself a any teacher. expert <laughs> i'm not a teacher in this or expert in any means like i i read i read the book and I listen to podcasts and I just, I love the idea that there's a way that we can identify with different personalities and kind of find our our voice a little bit. And I think that that is maybe more, more meaningful for certain numbers. I feel like for me, I'm a nine and it's helpful to have some words to hit my feelings. Cause I think for the most part, I feel like, I don't know. Like a question is usually asked of me, I was literally um, finishing up a Bible study that was supposed to take like five weeks and it took me like 10 or whatever. But the questions in there would be like, describe a time when you felt hurt in this situation. And I literally, in those kind of questions, I'm like, I don't know, I've, I don't remember. And, but I feel like having words that kind of give expression for me to be able to say, oh yeah, that's actually exactly how I feel. Or this is so helpful because it gives me some verbiage to use. But what I love so much is um, learning the strengths and the weaknesses and um, the world view of these nine different numbers.
0: Nine, nine normals.
1: I guess in marriage, it's been helpful. I mean, I remember before one thing that was super helpful that I wish we had learned about earlier before we even got married was the um, strengths finders where you learn like your five main strengths. And I think that that when I learned that about you and I learned that about me, it made everything make more sense between us because um, like my highest is empathy and, and being includer and belief. And I'm very much like, the relational side of the strengths, yours were very visionary. And like, I mean, your first one is
0: futuristic. Yeah. Strategic.
1: Yeah. So all And
0: ideation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're not saying that you're not relational because you're very relational, but just knowing that where your mindset is,
0: it tends to be more pragmatic.
1: Yeah. And it minds more feel and that was just,
0: how's everybody doing?
1: Yes. And,
0: and I'm like, where are we going? So for what are me, we accomplishing? Yeah, yeah.
1: But for me, it was very helpful, and that goes into Enneagram too, where I'm just so grateful, like, to know, oh, this is how you think. This is how I think, and yeah. us together, even leading together, I feel like has been so helpful because it's like, oh, this is the way God made me, and that's amazing. This is the way God made you, and that's beautiful. And actually, us together, that's a force, and that's yeah. really awesome that God brought us together. And um, as far as leading people or using it with people, when I read through it, through the book, the road, um, I know there's lots of good ones. Yeah. The one that I read was The Road Back to You. That's and I Ian, remember Ian Cron. Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabil, I believe. There's two authors. <laughs> dun,
0: dun, dun. I've but, never, I never knew that.
1: But, anyways, I, at the beginning of every chapter, which was a number, I, had a list of all of our staff of what numbers they were. And I just would write their names at the beginning of the chapter, just thinking through like, okay, my interactions with them, this is where they're coming from. And again, like you said, Joe, like it's not definitive and we're not putting people in a box, but it's just helpful to know where people are coming from their perspective, their worldview, what, what um, conclusions they come to in a Mm -hmm. situation. And so anyways, that has been helpful.
0: That's a good little thumbnail sketch. Yeah. For those of you listening and you're totally confused and <laughs> you're like, I have no idea what you, you're easy. when we talked about Enneagram is basically a personality test or assessment that helps you to see uh, the different styles of of, of of ways of looking at the world mm-hmm. through this particular grid. Of course, there's so many of them these days. There's you know, strength finders, as Jenny mentioned, is one that's popular. There's one called the 16 personalities, or that's basically the Myers-Briggs personality test. Companies have been using these for a long time. From what I understand, uh, the Enneagram actually is really old, goes back to the desert fathers within the Christian tradition as a way of understanding the nine types of of ways we sin and are gravitated towards Mm -hmm. the different sins actually tells you what you're, shadow side of your personality is going to be drawn towards to find and derive your identity from. And, and basically your worth in the world from. And so these nine different things are basically going to be ways that we see the world. And when you understand that there are nine different types of normals, that was probably the most helpful thing I heard Mm -hmm. on the subject. There are nine normals because we, we tend to think the way we see the world or the way that we tend to get pulled by our desires and live is the only normal way. And that anyone who does anything differently is somehow weird. Right. But to see, no, you know, there are, there are nine normal ways to see the world yeah. and, so and, and to be uh, is, is, is helpful to understand that, that we all are, are built and wired differently. And yeah. that, that gives God glory. Not that we are pulled to sins brings God glory, but that we're all unique.
1: And the awareness that we have of w- what we're more prone to or.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's helpful. I think, you know, reading the things that tells you about this can be very accurate. And that's really interesting. Yeah. I also have, I think at the beginning I was a, a touch skeptical about it because I do think it can, not that it itself is wrong. Cause everything I've read about it, like the book you mentioned by Ian Cron is amazing. And Suzanne stable. Is that what that is? Stable. Stabile. Stabile. Uh, is beautiful. And when I listen to interviews with him and he, as he talks about it, I don't think any of that I have a problem with. I'm more object at times to the oversimplification from people who have spent 15 minutes in it and now see themselves only in this very, mm-hmm. this is who I am. And the kind of tendency to put each other in buckets without, without even, you know, giving yeah, yeah. any more thought to it. Oh, well, you're this. Well, I don't, I don't, my test says I don't, I don't do well with you know, or whatever it would be that it, so it's not really that I'm objecting to the Enneagram or any personality assessment as much as I'm objecting to maybe to how it gets used or misused. Totally. I agree. And that I I think is kind of a warning flag. I also do think it's a warning flag and something we're just eating up like candy in this cultural moment because of the way that anything that's hard or difficult is automatically suspicious or rejected outright mm-hmm. and therefore this is just another way to jettison anything that we don't like because that's just not how i am and that's just right. my my enneagram type doesn't like that and so i i, I can't do that any longer right. the fun's worn off and i there's do think in that, so i do sure. think that there's there's some red flags on some of that stuff yeah so it's all with a grain of salt and knowing you know that god has for sure all made us different And so if this helps you um, in in team dynamics, if it helps you, I know it helped um, when Livy and I first talked about 16 personalities and took that test that really helped us to have language around our personalities and some of our conflicts, I think to Joe's question in marriage, it is helpful to see, oh, well this is how Jenny sees the world and it's different from how I see it. Mm -hmm. How I define a successful day is different than she does. So, that that has been helpful for dialogue. Yeah, so for sure. That's kind of my rant I on like my any rant. <laughs> and uh but thank you, Joe. Yeah. And for those who want more information on on that, you could probably just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Did you think it's there was gonna be a bigger payoff coming than that? I don't know. What else I don't know. If you need more information, what do you come in here for? You have Google. What do you want from me? What do you want me to Google everything for oh, you? Oh god. Oh how lazy can you be? Must be a nine. Must be a nine. <laughs> Rude. All right. Next one. Hey Lascos. My name's Mariah and I'm a worship leader I'm from Minnesota. And me and my husband uh, just recently had a beautiful little baby girl about six months ago. And I have a question for you, Jenny. How do you do it? How do you juggle it all being a wife, a mother, and also ministry? And then I'm also curious, does it kind of change throughout um, seasons? Mariah, the mama from Minnesota. Thank
1: you, Mariah. And a minstrel.
0: And she's a minstrel. She's a worship leader. Beautiful voice. Mariah, music ministry, Minnesota, is a mama.
1: Congratulations! Six months old. That's really fun
0: and terrifying. <laughs> if I thought about someone handing me a six-month-old baby right now and saying, "You guys need to start again," I would cry.
1: I was just thinking about that. Like, if I didn't have to have the baby.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I like babies hey, just fine. Buzzing now. Rude. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, first of all, congratulations, and um, oh, that's so fun. It I is think fun. Six months is just more fun than like newborn is all I'm saying.
0: Mm. Don't you feel so worried every time you held a newborn baby? That's a really Our big. Our newborn baby? Any newborn baby. Oh. It's such a big responsibility. To hold them? They're just baby birds. They're all just so spindly and <laughs>
1: fragile. Uh,
0: fragile. <laughs> I like babies a lot. Newborn babies were scary. I just felt like I was going to break one of them.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, Mariah, I would say um, as far as juggling that I drop the balls a lot. And I think that that's part of the process is learning that it's all happening and it's not going to be pretty a lot of the time. It's going to be messy, but that it's beautiful because it's what God's called you to. And I think that even in the the frustration and the fluster and trying to figure out, well, how how do I show up? and lead worship where I feel like I am being pulled from being at home with my baby and being married. And there's, it's so much. And one of the things that has helped me, because I feel like when you list things out like that, at least for me, I get overwhelmed because I see the, the list of like a hundred things. And even just thinking about prioritizing, it's like, I know that Jesus needs to be number one and I know my husband is number two and I know my kids are number three, but
0: like <laughs> <Take> that kids. <laughs> <laughs> kids kick them to the curb.
1: Um, But it feels overwhelming because then you're like, okay, gosh, well then after my family, then it's like, then it's ministry and it's leading worship. And, but that's like way, then it becomes way down at number seven, but then it also has to be a priority. And then my job, and it's like, that is overwhelming to me personally. And what has helped me think through this is looking at it. And I'm a visual person. I love like graphs or like pictures. And, um, when I actually wrote my book, I was like, can I have pictures in my book? And <laughs> Levi always makes fun of me about needing to read books that have pictures. But anyways, I love the pop-outs. picture,
0: the, the things where you pull a little door yes. and like the donkey waves. Yeah. Those are great.
1: Um, I'm going to figure out how to do that. That'd be amazing. Okay. But the picture I see that is helpful for me is Jesus being in the center. And I just write the name Jesus in the center. And then literally everything that I have to do, I have to be, I have to juggle comes from my relationship with Jesus. And I was explaining this to um, our oldest daughter recently when things were just kind of hard and frustrating and relationships and just, it's just hard. And I, I wrote for her on, on the mirror in our gym, in the middle of the circle was Jesus and live. And then I literally just wrote out all the things, relationships, uh, work, school, tennis, just all flowed out from that. And I think that if we can just remember that that's the most important thing about us is who we are, Jesus, we're with Him, like our relationship with Him. If we're tight with Him, all of these things He's going to provide for us, He's going to strengthen us for. And I just think of the, the verse in Matthew seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things he before that is talking about the worries that we can tend to worry about like what about food what about clothes what about, but it's like just seek first the kingdom, seek first Jesus all these things are gonna and happen and um I just feel like that is instead of feeling like the plates because even the idea of like plates going like where you're like juggling I don't know
0: chainsaws. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is how it feels sometimes, but
0: you should get on YouTube and watch the people that juggle live chainsaws, like mini live, like they're turned on. Oh, it's a thing. That's parenting in the 21st century. Yeah. That is terrifying. Well, congratulations, Mariah. You're going to do great. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. This is all really good. That's brilliant. She didn't ask me what I had to say. She asked you (laughs) as I do every day. But what you said is perfect. It's not Jesus number one, and everything else falls in line. It's Jesus at the center and everything rotates around that. And as you continue to do that, as you continue to uh, seek him in the midst of uh, all the ever changing circumstances in life, uh, God's going to bless and have his hand on all those things. So, yeah. Mariah, lovely question. Everything's going to be
1: fine. God's got you, you got this.
0: Hey, Levi and Jenny, my name is Brandon and I am from Charleston, West Virginia. And I wanted to ask a question. How did you know, was there anything that happened, anything significant as far as an event, a leading, a thought, something that you couldn't escape that just let you guys know that it was time to jump into full-time ministry? Uh, Was there ever a certain thing that just said, okay, I know now is the time and I can't avoid it any longer to jump into full-time ministry? Yeah. Great uh, question. Brandon from West Virginia. I would say for me I've only ever known I was going to be a pastor ever. Like there was never a time when I didn't know that. 2 years old supposedly the first time I said I'm I'm supposed to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. 2 years old. Aww. Um but I mean Levi? my name's Levi Aaron. So <laughs> like, what do you do besides be a pastor when you have not only like the first priest Aaron, but the tribe of priests, the tribe of Levi. Right. Uh, so I, I joke, but, um, but honestly as a child,
1: also your parents got it right.
0: Very good. There was a very, very brief window, I guess like three to four or something like that, where I said for a couple minutes, I wanted to be a baker and I wanted to bake and make sweets. And, uh, but here's the thing. <laughs> I've never really ever baked anything ever that I can recall. And you make good waffles though. I make the bread of life that I serve every Sunday, <laughs> piping hot and delicious. True. That's um, good point. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. So there was not a point. I fought that conviction though. My junior and senior year, there's a really brief window. Like at the end of my junior year, the beginning of my senior year, where I really kind of like had second thoughts. I was like, wait a minute. I, it was, you know, the panic of like, I could get into more marketing or business or like just that thought of entrepreneurial. Like I just was, I had this fleeting, you know, thought where I thought I might've ended up more at an ad agency or something like that. Mm. And, but I think it was just me just kind of getting cold feet on what I sense was God's calling. And I think, the heaviness of it and the realization of it and the counting the cost, And I think it's good that I went through that. Yeah. Um, Because even though it was accompanied by a little bit of a, of a prodigal period for me um, at the end of it, when I, when I came back around and at the end of my senior year, I just, I enrolled in Bible college and never looked back. Um, I think for me, that was a moment of like what Jesus said, you got to count the cost. You got to know that you're called. Spurgeon used to tell people if you can do anything else and do it, do it because there's such a challenge to ministry that if you're not positive and convinced you're called to it, the sacrifices will be too much. Yeah. And so I think, uh, even though I have great comfort in knowing that's always been a theme in a call, like that's been so clearly like Paul told Timothy, make your calling and election sure is uh, I know I've been called and that helps you make sense of the hard times. Um, but that's always been, always been very clear and evident. I love it. How about you?
1: that because I mean you had a little stirring of like wanting to be an entrepreneur or whatever which really was probably part I mean you've had to you've become that
0: well that's that's, that is the cool thing is all those things that I thought maybe I would do that if I didn't do church yeah God has shown me are supposed to be a part of the church and and do ministry in that way I love that very good yeah
1: I would say God got a hold of my heart in missions, when I would go on mission trips to Mexico in my youth group, I think I was eighth grade when I went on my first mission trip. And Basically, that was like a week in Mexico, and you're like helping paint homes and telling people about Jesus and painting orphans' faces and like just loving people. I thought
0: you were going to say buildings, but no, you're painting orphan. I thought you were going to like paint orphanages <laughs> and you're painting orphans themselves, <laughs> like face paint. Face paint. You've come all the way to Mexico. We are here. Give us all your faces and we will paint them all. Good thing you guys came. What on earth would they have done?
1: But it's crazy because like looking back and like, what did I even do? Like, what good was I? I I'm sure
0: more than you, more than, you know,
1: maybe encourage some people. And I, I don't know, but I do know that those were moments where God was reaching out to me. Yeah. Wow. I felt the pull to wanting to serve him my whole life.
0: And isn't that just usually how it is? Whatever you think you're accomplishing, you go there to be a blessing, but you actually went there to receive a blessing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so from that moment on every summer, I went on some kind of mission trip. And then that's the summer before my senior year, I went to Nicaragua with Lifeline Missions, which you think that same summer you went to Nepal or something like that. We didn't know each other, but it was the same organization and I went to Nicaragua for a month and really wanted more. Like but I still had my senior year left of high school, but I wanted to do an internship that they offered. But I couldn't do that until after I graduated from high school. And so I felt like that was kind of a line in the sand where I was like I I know that I'm called to in some way shape or form serve God and be in ministry, I don't know what that looks like. But in my mind, I thought it was being a missionary somewhere because simultaneously I was reading um, about Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India. And I was like, that's me. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a missionary to India. And um, But the cool thing was that after this month in Nicaragua, in my mind, kind of felt like a setback because I was like, oh, I have senior year left. But I felt like God was... Showing me, like, you have, you get to have senior year left. Yeah, great. And that's your mission field. And so I began to see the purpose in wherever God has you, the mission in wherever God has you. But that year, I remember thinking, like, I want to start a Bible study on my campus. And I remember um, wanting to lead this thing. But I specifically remember, like, teaching a Bible study to, I don't know, eight other students and thinking, man, I don't I don't want to lead something on my own. Like I want to lead something with somebody. I want to support someone who God's called t- to do this for a living. And I just remember that specifically at age 17 that that was like I want to be a pastor's wife. Wow. And so um and then God brought us together after the internship that I got to go to after I graduated from high school and and God called us to Montana.
0: Beautiful. All right. One more.
1: Hey, my name is Alicia from Montana. And my question is how can you tell whether something you're sensing is from spiritual discernment or if you're just having a feeling kind of like if something feels off about a person or a situation, but at the same time you want to believe the best.
0: Alicia, Alicia, Alicia Lynn, Lynn. Oh, from Montana, Thank you, Alicia, formerly El Paso, Texas. Um, <laughs> that's such, that is such the rub, isn't it? Uh I think, you know, aside from running it through the filter of, is there any sort of selfish motivation that's tainting this thing? Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing we always have to be wary of, is that ourselves, ourselves can get in the way. But assuming that's not the case, meaning there's not like, okay, this person rubs me the wrong way. And I feel like maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Well, it's like, did they get a promotion that you were hoping you'd get. So like, if there's a filter of avarice or a filter of tainting that could kind of like maybe be responsible for what you're feeling, but assuming you have clean hands, you know, like David said, like you've asked God to search you and see mm-hmm. if there's hidden sin. You say like, there's not that I know of, but I really feel this check in my spirit. Uh, then I would say then that could very well be the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And God does lead us through those, you know, still small voices, those little pings, those little sensations, so if you feel like something's God's steering or God's leading, I would say the Bible says test all spirits, you know, cause not every spirit is, is from the Holy spirit. And I think what that really means is run it through a filter of like, like I said, that checklist, is there, is there sin in my heart? Or is there anything that's tainting me that would make me not be able to trust this feeling? Secondly, would be running it through the lens of God's word. Is there anything in God's word that would, would inform this or speak to this situation? And then I would say also wise counsel, like hopefully there's yeah. someone in your life, a small group leader, a pastor, or someone in your life, who you could run it by like, Hey, here's this maybe opportunity to get into business with this person or you know whatever, but here's what I'm feeling. And here's kind of the steps I've taken. What do you see that I maybe don't see? Mm. And then if, if really it checks all those boxes and you, you've kind of taken some of those wise things, I would say then trust it and, and believe that the Holy Spirit m- might just be leading you either away from or, Toward. or into, uh, towards something. And, uh, you know, the Holy spirit does speak in, in those ways. And as you open yourself more and more up to that, his voice, you get better at leading it like horses, horses that are unbroken. You have to use spurs. You have to use, you know, it takes so much to get them to go. They're bucking and fighting it. But the more a horse uh, knows and trusts its rider, the less you have to, you barely even like you can insinuate, you almost think the movement and the horse is so in tune with you. It's reading it. And I think, the more you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit's leading, the more you become aware of his, just the slightest impulse of him leading you, but you're not always going to get it right too. And you see Paul thinking the spirit wanted to do something and being so sure of this and not getting it right too. So I think it's more uh, art than science. It's more uh, feel than it is formula. And it's, it's more of of a relationship than a process. And so I think as you just kind of walk with him, you know, it's not some twelve step thing to turn the oven on the three fifty and the, the cookies always come out unless it's high altitude. Mm-hmm. You know, just right. I think it's it's every situation's different, every day's different, but God does lead through his spirit. And so as you open yourself up to that, you can trust he's gonna order your steps.
1: That's beautiful. I think sometimes it can help to fast and pray when there's something like specific where you just need clarity or maybe not that what we read or listen to is bad, but like sometimes we just need to maybe quiet the voices a little bit so that we can lean in a little bit more to what the Holy spirit might might be leading. And I, it's cool though, because I feel like there are seasons too where God will speak in certain ways or I don't know. I I love that. I love what you said, just that relationship and um, leaning into that's beautiful.
0: Thank you to everyone who uh, asked uh, a question. And who uh, participated in this. You're amazing. Uh, We'll be doing another q and episode in July. Julio is the name of that month in Spanish. Maybe the favorite Spanish name for a month on the calendar, in my opinion, is Julio. Wow. It just is so pleasing to say. I like September. That's also good. What about uh, October? Octubre? Octubre. It's good too. What about, is it Augusto? Augusto. Augusta.
1: Augusto? How do
0: you say Augusto. Augustus? Caesar Augustus? <laughs> Caesar Augustus. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and survey says it's Augusto. Augusto. Very good. Well, thanks again. And, uh, thanks for hanging with us to the end. Love Enjoy you. us. Uh, oh, we, by the way, we did send out, uh, how many emails did we get for that Philly cheesesteak? We did send out some Philly cheesesteaks. We had a lot of entries. All right. Well, thank you so much for that's all of your 50. all of your emails, and uh, <laughs> I hope you did enjoy. It. Who's the winner, John? I hope you uh, enjoyed those Philly cheesesteaks. sticks. Congrats! Uh, I hope they made it. I hope you, you caught them on your porch and they didn't rot. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever come home to rotted food on your porch? Uh, yeah, I have. All right, that's another story for another day. Okay. This is uh, Jenny Levallesco saying, "God bless you very much." <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to swing by LeviLusco.com to see what's going on in our world and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. In the meantime, we would love to connect with you on social media. Jenny and Levi Lusco out.